Hey everyone, you're listening to the Commander's Brew Podcast. And around here, we want to bring you the funnest EDH decks possible on a reasonable budget. So, if you're a Commander player who loves an interesting brew, we're the cast for you. Hey, if you've been here a while and you're loving what we do, consider supporting our show by subscribing on YouTube or giving us a five-star review on iTunes. Or, the biggest and best support is over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash commandersbrew, where you can support us directly while joining other like-minded commander players on our Discord. But without further ado, this week's episode is... Bergie and Orvar House Rule Partners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's episode 286 of the Commander's Brew. Uh, We're live and in your ears coming at you uh, on this fine, wonderful summer morn. Sean, how are you doing? Doing pretty good that day. (laughs) (laughs) We are doing rock and roll good here tonight, and you can give us a call. Uh, You can be the first caller. (laughs) Those are all the sound effects. And and, and the, like... I mean, it's such an easy genre to make fun of, but it truly is effective when a when a small room of three or four people are exaggeratedly laughing so hard at everything. It makes me want to smile a bit and, and laugh along with them. Like it is a proven thing. It makes me want to smash the radio. Is what it makes me want to do. I honestly, yes, yes. <laughs> like the logical part of my brain is like this is manipulative and it's juvenile. Uh, but like you know, when everyone's laughing, I want to laugh too. I, I feel it. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I I feel that part of it. Yeah. There's just just so many like the cliche of that morning radio show. Right of like and they they like any radio show. They still do it. I know, I know. It's, they know they've heard the jokes. They know the jokes. Yeah, they know what they're doing. You know, they know, they know who they are. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen. I mean, I, and like, like, could we also say that like usually these people are doing that at five thirty in the morning? Yes. Like th- those people get up at an ungodly hour. You're right. To have such energy and like come at you with that, I don't know how they do it. That's true. That is, like, pretty admirable that you can get up to that level at that point in the day. Like, that's, like, we know as performers that you have to, like, turn it on when you're on stage. But there's a natural rush that comes with being on stage that you just can't help it, right? Like, you, that's not hard to do, truly. Uh, You know, if you're, especially once you're doing it for a while. But, like, and even this type of thing, right? We're, We're recording our podcast now. And obviously, we're, like, we're being more animated than we usually would be in a regular conversation. It, it, that's what happens when you turn the lights on, baby, and you got that mic yeah. in front of you, and guess what? You yeah. know, um, but that's also, but there's also that thing, and I guess it's probably no different for them when they get in front of those microphones at, but at like, you're right, man, something, something they're getting up at like 3 a.m. to get to work and be there and start their show at like 5 a.m., you know, like it's, it's crazy. I mean... This is why whenever you see pictures, they're usually, they look, they don't look great. Like They, <laughs> they look unshaven yeah. and like sunglasses. Like, yeah, because they cut their morning routine to the, I guarantee they shower at night. They're not morning showers. Oh, they're, they're night. Yeah, that's a night shower. And I mean, you know, hey, don't get us on the whole morning versus night shower thing. Like, that's a, oh, that's boy. a, that's a debate that the people who night shower love to bring up all the time but the people who morning shower are just like what are you talking about like it's almost like <laughs> you like a, being a morning shower person i'm just like i don't even know what you're talking about what do you what, what do you mean and then the night shower people yeah. are like you're disgusting you go to sleep you sleep and you're you're all dirty for the day and then you wake up and clean yourself but then you go sleep in the bed the dirty bed again it's like mm-hmm. yeah, well i wash my sheets though that's okay that's fine you know i never did think of it that way that's i've had i've had this like thing with, with friends who are like that and i've seen it you know pops up online every now and again like on twitter or something but the, you know hey i'm I, i've never I mean, i've also i've always been like you know you're not wrong night showers you're not wrong um but i just but like what what it like like isn't i mean i'm not even involved but like isn't most of the day's filth as it were on your clothes mm. like i'm not i'm not like i'm not going to bed in my like 
jacket and jeans and shoes <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like 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 the part of me that's under my shirt is clean all day like like the, the, like the the part that's like you know the front of my chest that's not getting dirty all day you're like okay but but your butt my butt <laughs> your butt well but i i don't sleep nude yeah exactly I've if you're not pajamas. sleeping nude you're fine <laughs> and then again then that's the clothes problem right um, yeah, the pajamas don't have a day as filth on them. This is the thing, right? If you're a pajama sleeper, you're definitely, I think you're definitely cle- in the clear as far as the allegations that night showers are throwing allegations. your way. Yes, yeah, the allegations <laughs> of filth that the night showers are throwing your way. If you're like me, I'm a, I'm a, just a skivvies only, right? I'm yeah. just, I'm just down to the skivvies. That's it. Not nude, but skivvies. And so for me, it's like that, you know, that top body stank that you can get from a day that's certainly rubbing off on my sheets i'm not even gonna try and say it's Mm. not it is Mm. and you know what again those night shower people are not wrong but i just like showering in the morning because it has that effect where it kind of wakes you up yes would you consider a double shower morning and night (sighs) that's wild that's (laughs) just that's madness there's no need to do that to the environment there's no need to waste all that water like i'll just sleep dirty it's fine well, there's also arguments that you shouldn't even shower every day. True. That like your your skin and hair could use a break. Yes, yeah. And I <laughs> generally speaking, I used like used to do it every day and then nowadays, now that like Sarah and I alternate on who gets up early with Harry and who gets to sleep in a little bit, like we we alternate on that. So the days where I have to get up with Harry, I don't shower. I just like I'm just up. And, you know, I make him breakfast and make myself breakfast. And then um, then we're just kind of up. And then I might shower later in the day, but not always. But I'll tell you what's what's more affecting that. And it's kind of a whole other discussion. And we got to start talking about magic pretty soon. So we yeah, won't get into it. Pretty soon. Pretty but soon. my hair is getting so long now that, like, it's becoming a thing where, like, I got to start. Like, I sometimes I get up and the hair, my hair is just, like, a, just a mess. Just a nest of greasy, like... I don't know. It's all over the place. So that those days require a shower sometimes just for that. And I got to use conditioner. Listen, it's getting out of hand. Well, but what, before it gets too out of hand, I want to make sure we don't forget to thank all of our listeners. Thank you. The listener, dear listener right now. Thank you for listening. Truly, truly. This is the reason we do this. Thank you for that. Uh, Some of these listeners, some of you listeners have decided to help us out financially you decided to support the show and its production by going to patreon.com slash commandersbrew. And so grateful for that as well. That is enormous. Uh, and there's lots of ways to support too if you're just not in a position where you're like, I don't got the bucks. I want to do something. Well, there's still stuff you can do. You can, if you're shopping for magic singles because you're playing games on spell table with real cards you, and you're going to go through our TCG player link Everything you buy through that link, whether it's for this show or like this episode or not, we get a little cut. So that helps us out. And then always there's the regular free stuff that all content creators love. Those word of mouth shares, telling your friends, sharing on medias, giving good comments in your little comment section of your appropriate podcasting app. You know, iTunes reviews, that sort of thing, subscribing on YouTube, those all things go so long, they go so far, and they cost nothing as well. So thank you for everything. Uh, The last special thanks is to our fellow Canadians, and to to you, we have the deal of money off your magic singles if you shop through the Wizard Tower. Let's hear an ad from them now. We're proud Canadian podcasters, and we're proud to be sponsored by one of Canada's premier card stores, the Wizard's Tower, wizardtower.com. Canadian listeners get an exclusive coupon code, BREWCALLTIME, to get 5% off any order of singles shipped to you for free, as long as you ordered $15 or more in singles. And you can check out our deck list for this week's episode and other episodes we've done on their contents at mtgcanada.com. See you on the frozen northern tundras. That's kind of what it sounds like at the end of that ad. Yeah, kind of sounds like the what are they called? The 
something orchestra. Um, the, the the electric guitar version has a really weird name, like Steamroller. Or something yeah, Mannheim like Steamroller. What? Mannheim Steamroller. <laughs> yeah, Mannheim Steamroller. That's that's who it is. That's what it's called. That's such a weird name. It's it's, it's it doesn't fit. It's a they and I don't know what it is. It's like a big. I think it's like a big band. Anyways, I don't know. Mannheim Steamroller though. Very they're cool. They do a bunch of like that type of music, Christmas music with, with like wicked just metal versions of it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's revisit uh, a segment that we took a little break off last week, but we're back into it. We're making those definitive top 10 lists that you all need to know about. So let's get out another one right now. All right, Sean, we are about to do this. We're back in the saddle back with another definitive top 10 list. Tell us about this one. Okay. Here's what you need to know for our list. It's 10 things. It's definitive. You can think about it, but you can't you can't change our minds. This is official definitive. Yes. And this is top 10 wraths. Top 10 wraths. Um, I forget who's starting us off. I planned this. Uh, work backwards. Me, Andy, me, and You're going to start us off, Okay, Andy. I'm going to start us off. All right, great. Yes. I don't think you planned this out. Uh, okay, so. Starting us off here, the top 10 Wraths. First is the newly printed from Kaldheim Doomscar, three white, white, destroy all creatures, sorcery. However, what breaks this one into the top 10 is that foretell ability. We can foretell this for two generic, and then later, on a later turn, we can cast it for one white, white from the exile zone. A three mana Wrath, essentially. This is unprecedented, truly, just to destroy all creatures at three mana. I mean, I know it's not truly just three mana, but uh, the fact that that's a possibility makes this number 10 on the list of all-time Wraths. Yeah, d- dividing it over two turns, like, that's the key. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to pay five for it total, which is not special. But the fact that you can pay the three in a turn and do more in that same turn, that's the key. Yes. That's what gets it on this Absolutely. list. Absolutely. Uh, let's go into number nine. The number nine Wrath is Grapes of. Mm-hmm. The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, John Steinbeck, classic piece of American literature set in the Dust Bowl of the Great Depression, following one family's having to move because of the drought. Um, you know, it's just a classic novel and a classic piece of American literature, and that's why it has a number nine spot on Top Ten Wraths. I'll be honest, I've never read... The Grapes of Wrath, uh, because of this placing on the list. I look at the list of Wraths and where it, you know, lands. And number nine just isn't quite high enough for me. I need to, I needed to break the top five if I'm going to spend that time, even though it is one of the all-time classic American novels. Unfortunate for The Grapes of Wrath. However, I stand by it. Um, okay, next on the list here, we have Megan Wrath. Um Megan Rath is, uh, I, I know this because uh, I recently started watching New Girl in the pandemic, and she is she plays May on New Girl. She's Coach's girlfriend, and she plays the cello, and she's a wonderful actress. And I believe, actually, you can you can you can check out Megan Rath uh, in an upcoming series called Kids Ruin Everything, uh, created and written by our friend. This is real. Uh, Kurt Smeaton. <laughs> wow. Kurt Smeaton has a uh, new show. She's just got cast as one of the leads. Uh, she's Canadian. I believe she's from... Montreal. Oh, she's from Montreal. Okay, I was going to say Markham, but that's someone else. She's from Montreal. Fantastic actress. Great comedy chops, as you can see in New Girl. You can also check it out. Again, Like when, when Kids Ruin Everything happens, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be funny. Uh, Megan Rath coming in. At uh, at number eight on the all time wrath list, that's fantastic. Uh, number six, uh, we're going. Sorry, number seven is next, and that is merciless eviction. Um, this is a wrath for creatures, but it exiles, which is extra special, uh, and also the fact that you can change the modes and exile a problematic card type that's plaguing the table at any given moment. Um, it's black, white, it costs six and it's sorcery, but it's flexibility and the fact that it exiles things gives it spot number seven on our top 10 wraths. All right. Coming in at number six 
It is the film I Am Wrath starring John Travolta. Now, you might be asking yourself, uh, when did this movie come out? Uh, what is this movie about? Uh, is this truly on the list of all-time wraths? Well, the answer, first of all, obviously, yes. Definitive list here we're, we're talking about. This is um, from 2016. Uh, it also stars uh, Christopher Maloney. Uh, as well as Rebecca De Mornay as Vivian. Now, these are some top-notch actors. I will say the IMDb rating is a, a, a quite a low uh, 5.4, but this is not the best. This is not the list of all-time movies. No, this is not even no, the we list. We must clarify. Yeah, yeah. It's not even the list of all-time John Travolta movies or Rebecca De Mornay movies. This is the list no. of the all-time Wraths and I Am Wrath, the big budget Hollywood 2016 movie comes in definitively at number six and that's all there is to say about it mm -hmm. uh, no justice somehow, without blood by the way i am wrath's tagline uh andy i want to trade the i want to let's switch who's going next oh, you do the next one we'll switch sync i i i i I led us astray. I wanted you to get number five. Oh, you wanted me to get number five. Okay. Yes. Number five, uh, much like this has happened before, I get to read The Wrestler. And yes. it is Wrath. That's right, Wrath. Uh, Brian Clark. Yes, Brian Clark is Wrath. He's a former WCW wrestler, also WWF uh, back in the Federation days. Um, Wrath was a, is a beast of a, of a, of a man. He... Uh, he Came onto the scene in WCW in like the early 90s. Uh, didn't get a lot of traction. Um, you know, did some tag team wrestling that was that didn't really take off. Then he debuted in the WWF. At what most people know him as is Adam Bomb. That was his gimmick over there. He was from Three Mile Island and he had those really dumb looking goggles on. And uh, <laughs> the like nuclear symbol was like his uh, thing on his on his uh, on his uh, singlet. But when he was wrath came back to the WCW during the like the the, the heyday of like the, the the NWO and all that wrath was again fairly disappointing now again did he get back into tag team wrestling yeah was he wrestling with a wrestler named Brian Adams yes um not the singer obviously we're talking about crush over here but this is not about his wrestling ability this is not about the top 10 wrestlers like Brian Clark Wrath is so far from the top 10 wrestlers. You have no idea. <laughs> he, he got injured in the WCW and the re and then, and then the WCW got bought by the WWE and Vince McMahon didn't even look twice at this guy. He just was never asked back and he was in, like, he was injured. He didn't even have a chance. So listen, I hope <laughs> Brian Clark's doing well. I hope Wrath is still wrestling and doing well and is safe and healthy because he is number five on the all time Wrath list, not as a wrestler, just as Wrath. Yes. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you you had all that great research. Uh, which brings <laughs> us to number four, Wrath from the game Hearthstone. It costs two, and you get to choose one. Deal three damage to a minion or one damage and draw a card. That sounds like it's flexible, which gives it number four on top ten Wraths. That sounds good. It sounds <laughs> like... I mean, okay, so so okay. A lot of the minions you want to deal with have three, so dealing three damage to them is enough to destroy or kill or whatever you do when you get rid of a minion. Right. Um, but if you don't need to, if there's just a little utility minion out there that only needs one, you can also draw a card. Now, obviously, and the best part is it only costs you two. Yeah, and I mean, obviously damage is persistent in in a Hearthstone. So, yes. you know, if you got some other damage on a creature already, that one damage draw card, that's good. That, that's that's quite good. So, so, yeah, cementing it in at number four. Yeah. Um, why don't you read... Do you, do you want did you want to no no okay we're, we're... I, I doesn't I, at this point I just wanted you to get the rest of <laughs> okay. like I I don't care oh, okay okay uh, okay uh next on the list is Wrath the album by Lamb of God uh, which is uh a Grammy nominated album from 22 uh sorry 2020 2020 2010 is I'm when it won its Grammy I, I don't know why I'm I read that wrong um Listen, uh, Lamb of God is, I believe, a pretty cool metal band. Um, yes, they are. Uh, it's the sixth studio album released by this American band. Um, 
it was uh it did well you know uh, it achieved number two on the billboard 200 uh 60 68 000 sales in the u.s during its first week and as of 2010 it had sold over 202,000 copies in the united states listen this is an era where it's tough to sell albums out here like it's not like it used to be you know we're not we're not going multi-platinum anymore you know we're, we're streaming here but wrath the album from lamb of god in 2010 just absolutely coming out as as a as a great metal band uh doing performing very well here uh that's why it's you know that's why it's so high on this list number three uh so as we get to the top couple we we know you're all expecting the last few people are like well i haven't heard this one yet i know what's up there it's either one or two uh and coming in at number two to nobody's surprises the wrath of khan uh the second in the star trek film franchise arguably the best Star Trek film from the old era of the original series cast. Uh, And uh, the first Star Trek movie did not do so well, and people were questioning whether or not there would be a movie series of Star Trek. And if it weren't for the success of The Wrath of Khan, there may not be any more Star Trek movies. Yeah, or Star Trek period even, perhaps, right? That is true. It could have disappeared after, but, but... Thank you, Wrath of Khan, number two. Exactly. Not uh, again. Not a list of the best Star Trek movies. This is a list of the best Wraths, and it is only number two because we all know if you've ever been in a situation where you needed a Wrath, the best one to pull out most times, Toxic Deluge. Mm-hmm. Two in a black sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell. You pay X life, and then all creatures get minus X minus X until end of turn. Tough one to dodge. This is minus X. You're shrinking things. We're getting around indestructible this way. We're getting around a lot of things. If you got the life to spare, this can take down massive creatures as well. So Toxic Deluge, just the best wrath. Definitively, hands down, no argument. Well, there you have it. That's the top 10 wraths. This list is definitive. Uh, feel free to make some comments on what you might have done differently, but we're only allowed to read them. We can't take them seriously because this is definitive. Yeah, it's already been listed. This is the list. There's no changing mm-hmm. the list, obviously. So, no, 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 no. But we would love to hear from you as a thought experiment. Yes, yes. I mean, we, we are allowed to read them. Yes. That is true. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Um, yes. This week... We're working with a new house rule? Is that right? Yes. Rule zero, Commander. You're allowed to do whatever you want, as long as the table agrees. Uh, and we've toyed with this idea before. We've talked about it. Yeah. But the it's the idea inspired by Commander Legends, because they give us so many monocolored legendaries that had partner. The options. We It was a creativity smorgasbord. So we decided to try it out and actually take it outside of the Commander Legends and say, well, what if, if all monocolored legendaries had partner, what could we do with the Kaldheim legendaries? There was a lot of monocolored Kaldheim legendaries, and we're like, I think we could probably pull something neat together. The asterisk is that this is done for the spirit of creativity and fun. This is not to just take an already powerful deck and just make it more powerful. And for that reason, the house rule says you're not allowed to put two monocolored legendaries of the same color together. Otherwise, you're just putting an extra card in your opening hand every time. Right. right? That's not fair. Um, We'll discuss the viability and how broken this is. Some very interesting discoveries happened going through this process. But let's not bury the lead any further. Let's tell you which two commanders we are brewing around this week with the house ruled mono legendaries first up orvar the all form three and a blue legendary shapeshifter changeling three three whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell if it targets one or more permanents you control you make a token copy of one of those permanents that were just targeted also if you have to discard and you discard orvar you get a free copy of anything on the board but that will probably never happen there's a, like, like because it's not, Orvar will rarely be in your hand. Yeah, yeah. It's our commander. So who are we going to partner this monocolored legendary with? We're going to try out Bergy, God of Storytelling. Two and a red, legendary creature, God, 3-3. Three, three. 
Whenever you cast a spell, add red. It doesn't leave your mana pool as steps and phases end until the end of your turn. And creatures you control can boast twice. That doesn't matter because we have no boast. Uh, also, you can cast Bergy on the back as Harnfell Horn of Bounty for a red legendary artifact. And this is the one we'll probably do most often. Discard a card. XL the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. So that's those are the partners. We looked at Bergy by herself. And Bergy kind of wants us to go kind of storm, but Mono Red Storm, there's just you're just lacking like the card draw, the storm targets. Like it's tough to do a lot with. And Orvar, we we thought at first glance, although spoiler alert, Orvar's extremely powerful by themselves in a mono blue deck. Like there's you can do a ton of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. But adding some red, adding some targeted spells. We also now have access to red things to copy, which gets pretty interesting. I think this is a super fun brew, and I don't think it's of the broken power level. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that in a bit. So, obviously, um, I mean, we're half in setting the scene, we're half in the vegetables, but like blue, we, we've got plenty of creatures we want to copy, like for example, Seagate Oracle, two in a blue. 1-3 wizard, human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top two cards of your library. One goes in your hand, one goes on the bottom of the library. Every time we want to target Seagate Oracle, we get another best of two draw. We get to draw the, our favorite of the two, the top two. Um, and the things we're going to be using to targeting are there's plenty of instants like Cerulean Wisps. It's a single blue. Target creature becomes blue. Untap it. Draw a card. It doesn't do much on its own. It, it draws us a card at cantrips if we need to, but it does give us another copy of something that's already on the board. And if Bergy's out on the Bergy side, we can get an extra red mana. So we've netted zero, like we've, the net cost has been zero mana. We turned a blue into a red, but we've, we're up a card. We've not spent, we're, we're, we're even on cards, we're even on mana. So like these kinds of effects really work well. And in addition to those, we're also running some unsummon effects, which is a single blue return target creature to its owner's hand. These are other great ways to copy our own creatures. So we'll get a token copy. The original will come back to our hand. They mostly have ETBs, so we'll get to ETB them again later. Uh, this we can do to save our creatures from removal. And in a pinch, we can remove opponent's creatures if we have to for some reason, if they're really giving us a hard time. So that's the scene that we're going to set. So let's get into some vegetables. Andy, tell us what are some neat veggies that are good to copy. Uh, this is quickly becoming one of my like favorite, um, like often reprinted, like low rarity card in Commander. It's Meteor Golem. Seven mana for the uh, generic, seven generic mana for the artifact creature golem. It's a three, three. And when it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls. It's one of my favorites because despite the seven mana, like price tag on this thing, there's so many ways to have it enter the battlefield. That isn't that, or something like in this deck where, yeah, you might have, you might pay the seven, but then the benefits will keep coming. Right. We keep like, making copies of this you know once you made that first one i mean that's very worth it just alone right there you know the seven mana plus a one for like an unsummon or something like that or or you know something like cerulean wisps or whatever um so yeah meter golem a lot of upside great in these color pairs in this color pair too and that like we're, we're talking about is it so tough dealing with things like enchantments um and things like that and uh, maybe like a pesky planeswalker or something so like meter golem deals with those things nicely that's really good uh, Scholar of Ages, incredible card. Five blue, blue, three, another three, three for seven here. But this is a, a human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, you return up to two target instant and or sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand, which feels like with Bergy, I feel like you could really, you could really go, we could like, if you had like a mana filter or something, like you could go infinite with some cards this way. Couldn't you? Well, um, I don't know about infinite. I have to think about that. But the, the key is the two instants, right? A lot of people are thinking about Archaeomancer and Mnemonic Wall. But the trap of those is 
if you use Cerulean Wisps on Archaeomancer, you get to get back Cerulean Wisps to use on Archaeomancer to get back Cerulean Wisps. You're not doing anything. You're just looping that over and over and over. Bergie's paying us back in red mana, but Scholar of the Ages is kind of the key to get us like, so one of those is going to go to Scholar of the Ages and the other instant or sorcery we're going to do other things with. That's why right. Scholar is so much more important than those other ones. As far as going infinite, I don't like know if we could, have a way to get free like, spells. Like uh, impact tremors or something, right? Like making infinite creatures that way. Right. I mean, we still we still run, will run out of resources. It costs us mana to do it. We can't do it for free. Well, if it's a one mana cantrip. Oh yeah, and then it, it, you, you need a filter out. though. You need a filter because you need to change the red into blue. I guess if you I guess if you do it with a red spell, it's you'd not have to have to two. You'd have to have two. You're right. You'd have to have Bergy out, and you'd have to have two because when the first one goes on the stack, you will copy the Archaeomancer type of effect. Right. And you'll need to target a spell, a spell in your graveyard. In and the one on the stack is not yet in the graveyard. Ah, right. So so but if you have two and there are they exist in the deck. We you, you know what? You're right. You could go infinite that way. I've not built the it's deck like to a, do it's that. It's like a four to five card combo, so it's not like it's some overpowered thing. Which I like though. Well, That's those are the kind of combos I like. Well, and th- this is the thing too, right? So so it's so like you might argue it's like, well, we've added red. So now we've broken it. We've broken Orvar. We've created an infinite combo. Like, listen, there's already infinite combos in here. Yeah. We're going to get to a few of them, <laughs> or at least one of them. So, but, like, it's not, it, it doesn't, it's not broken. No, that's not it, broken. Is it more powerful? Yes. But I believe you are, it's so much more creative and there's so many new directions. I'm excited. If there's anyone um, calling your combo where you need to have, have both of your commanders out, the seven mana creature plus a an artifact that filter or something that filters your mana plus another two other cards you know that's maybe you could cut that down to what by one more and make that a five card combo that's potentially a six card combo like there's nothing broken about that if you no, if you assemble no. a six card combo you deserve to win congratulations yes you know yeah if i wasn't there to stop it absolutely go go do it <laughs> if i didn't know to stop i go for it uh, we're also going to run like Spark Double, right? Uh, Spark Double enters as a copy of any creature or planeswalker we control, but it's not legendary and it's got a plus one plus one. This is a way to get an extra Bergy and start profiting mana, or it's a way to get a second mm. Orvar and start doubling our copies. It's our own doubling season uh, once we get this going. Oh, and you could, uh, you could, you could do it to the spark double so that you make even more Orvars because they wouldn't be legendary yes. at that point. That's cool. Right, but but we're still in the Archaeomancer problem, though. I I did have that dream, too, but it was like, ooh, Cerulean Wisp will copy an Orvar, which gives me two more Orvars. And then I'll do another spell on the Orvar, and now I have eight Orvars. It's like, yes, but at what point are you going to do something besides making more Orvars? <laughs> <laughs> well, Orvars are 3-3. Three, three. I mean, you're making a lot of 3-3s, yeah. three you know? Yeah, it, it's true. It's true. That <laughs> you're, is, like, that exponentially making three threes that sounds pretty good to me yeah i mean precursor golems in the deck that just works way faster Ooh, wow okay <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh, yeah um and then you know what uh quasi duplicate is a way to get it targets one of our creatures that's why this is my favorite clone effect because it targets mm-hmm. which orvar cares about a lot of clones don't target True. so orvar would never copy them this one targets so we copy it also goes to the graveyard and we get to recast it from the graveyard so we get a second copy of something as long as Orvar is around. A very effective spell. That it's way. funny because we talked about this deck before recording last week too. And I um, like I knew we were doing this because we talked about how what a fun idea this would be. And then um, just so happened that Orvar ended up being really good in that Vega deck also. Um, so like there, there is some overlap between these two decks. It's kind of funny. I didn't even, I didn't anticipate that. Like I kind of forgot about it when I was brewing my deck, but yeah, but it, it but it is different. It, you've got like a different, there's different aims going on here, but the reasons you're saying quasi duplicate are good. I'm just recognizing that, that that's why they were good in that Vega deck also. 
Well, and, okay, and so and up to this point, I've only talked about blue cards. Yes. Right. I've not introduced any red cards. We can find sort of similar one mana cantripy things, but those are a dime a dozen. That's not. That's not. We don't. We're not breaking it by adding the red ones of those. Uh, but so far, this is all contained in blue. So we we've not introduced anything that kind of breaks Orvar or goes outside of like what seems fair, and. I want you, for those of you who listened to last week's episode, um, keep in mind, remember Andy's white-blue Vega list. Imagine that list if we did Orvar and a mono-white partner as the commanders instead of Vega. You'd shift a few things. or The deck would become something new, but it would be similar to this deck. But as we, as we get to the next section into a certain kind of moves... Um, I'm going to highlight a lot more red cards and we'll see the specific flavor that red brings this. And I think we will all come to the same conclusion that there are, there, there would be four different Orvar decks with different backup colors and they all have different flavors and styles and they're all uniquely fun. And I think that is only good for this house rule. This house rule is incredible. I just, I I just, I think so. I just want to say, I think it's like, like I had the original, um, I meant to say this before, that's why I'm going to say it now, but I, I had the original idea of like, to mitigate this, maybe we only allow the non-partner original mono-colored legendaries to partner with like officially partner things, right? So we that way we definitely are not going to get some kind of ultimately like super broken thing because... It's always going to be pairing with some partner. Yes, there still may be some very broken partnerships there, but the partner commanders, as we know, are generally, you know, they're, they're kind of medium power on purpose because of that. Um, but seeing this combo and just like the other possibilities, I think it's like it's just it's just fun to just do it this way. You know, like if you yeah. feel like maybe your your group or something can't handle <laughs> wouldn't be able to handle it and you want to do that like partner like that mitigated partner version i think that's fine to do as well but like i i i, I don't know i suggest that, that people do this i think it's really good <laughs> I think it's really cool i do too i do too and like yeah like 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 it's just for creativity you'll know if you're using this to be like, ooh, if I put these two together, that's an infinite win in the command zone. Yeah. And knowing the sign, it's like, well, guess what? That's not the spirit of this. So yeah. good for you. Uh, great. And great. I think those I can't players wait to... are probably not going to do this anyways because they're they're not like, like that spiky mentality isn't something I think that would ever do something with rule zero anyways. Like it feels True. like the, the, the like that spiky take on commander, which is totally fine. Um, you're not going to be like, hey, can I play this illegal deck, card deck, whatever? You know what I mean? Like, they're not yeah. even going to do that in the first place. So, like, maybe that just never comes up. Who knows? I mean, th- this has been a fun experiment. Uh, I can't wait to get, introduce more of the red sides of things. Let's do it. Uh, and to do that, we need to go to our meat moves. Working on a meat All right, let's take a look at some more uh, of the red cards that are happening in this deck. Um, starting us and some blue, and, and, some and blue, still some blue. We're still going to get into that. But yeah. starting us off with uh, um, this one is uh, oh wait, why do I have oh yeah oh because because just just to touch again, so so, so Bergy's role is Bergy seems to be the lieutenant here. Bergy does not seem to be the main commander. Mm-hmm. This is true, uh, and Bergy will appear as the horn most of the time because. I want to point out again, the horn, you, this is not a once per turn thing. You just got to discard a card and you get to exile the top two of your library and you can play one this turn. So this is a great way to go through lanes you don't need anymore once we're cantripping and drawing more cards. This is a great way if you're like, I don't need another creature. I need a thing to target a thing. I'm happy to pitch two cards and get four looks at a spell that costs one that'll target a creature. I'm happy to do that with the horn. So that's Bergy's main role here. Right. And then you've got uh, two really got a- great cards here that are going to work really well in this deck. Murmuring Mystic and Young Pyromancer, both similar abilities. Uh, the Mystic being the three and a blue, one five, that whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you get a one one blue uh, flying illusion creature. And then, of course, the Young Pyromancer is the one in a red two one that gives us a one one elemental creature 
uh, a red one uh, when you cast an instant or sorcery. These are just like, I mean, these are just classics, really. Yeah, we're going to be casting a pl plenty of spells, so we're going to be building up quite a little army of token creatures. Uh, blue already had this. Red also does it. But like this is, you know, so far we're, we haven't broken anything. Uh, and I'm going to go into some more blue cards, actually, before we break out of this. This this is a secret all-star of the deck. This is Hidden Strings. One and a blue for a sorcery. You may tap or untap target permanent. Then you may tap or untap another target permanent. And it has Cypher. So if you don't remember Cypher, we haven't talked about it in Cypher in ages. Sure we haven't. Cypher is an old one where when you cast it, you encode it on a creature. Basically stick it under that creature. Mm. Uh, and whenever that creature deals combat damage, you cast a copy of this ciphered encoded card without paying its mana cost so let me break it down the first thing you do you get to target two permanents so this is a way for me to target one of my things and one of your things so i get my copy and i can tap down one of your blockers or i can just but this also deals with permanents not just creatures so this is how i can copy my mana rocks or my lands or special enchantments that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, and the fact that it can get encoded is if I can get in with one of those little birds that Murmuring Mystic makes, I can copy something else for free every turn and just keep it going. Um, that's excellent. And there are analogs to these in blue. There's Dream's Grip. That's a one blue instant. Choose one. Tap or untap target permanent. And you can entwine it for one to choose both. Um... You can also run Psychic Puppetry, which is a one and a blue tap or untap target permanent. And it splices onto Arcane for a blue, but we don't have Arcane. Here, so here's three cards that can copy anything on our battlefield. Uh, so here, Andy, and you're going to read us two things that seem great to copy. Yeah, this, I mean, right away, Gilded Lotus seems like a great option. Five, The five mana artifact that taps for three mana of any one color. Uh, yeah, that's the great thing. I just have to check that Orvard actually, yeah, the 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 targeting is of permanence, not just creatures. You, yeah. We will be making copies of these things uh, if we choose to target uh, or, or rather uh, tap or untap them. Um, we got Gilded Lotus here. We've also got Fiery Emancipation. Three red, red, red for the enchantment. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. Wow, yeah. Okay. Can you imagine un I'm going to untap my fiery emancipation? <laughs> I had to and like copy double it. take so this because I, I, I was like, wait. At first I thought it was a sorcery and I was like, did I click the wrong thing? It's like, no, this no. is that crazy enchantment. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. It triples your damage. So like this is this is a bit of a meme in the deck, but it just shows you some of the stuff that red can bring. It's like, is it a bit win more to like if you already land this card, you're yeah. doing good work. Yeah. But like, why not just be like, oh, I'm going to double it. Uh, or, sorry, I'm going to copy this. So now it's like, now it's nine times damage, like triple the triple. <laughs> so. I, I forgot this card existed and it's crazy. This is just yeah. wild stuff yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's some, here, okay, now let's get into some good red stuff, right? I would love a copy of Charm Breaker Devils in this deck. Ooh, yeah. Five and a red for a four, four. At the beginning of your upkeep, return an instant or sorcery card at random from your graveyard to your hand. After copying, I'm returning two at a time, three at a time, four at a time, and they all cost like one and they draw me cards. And whenever I cast an instant or sorcery, Charmbreaker Devils gets plus four plus O. Oh. It becomes an eight four. <laughs> but just the ability to like start bringing a few cards back from my graveyard every turn is incredible. Like that's the kind of card I want to copy in Orvar for sure. Oh, absolutely. Like it's funny how like it, that, that ability doesn't like seem that good but if you've ever played with Charmbreaker devils or you've seen someone play with it there are so many times where it's like oh that free that's like a, drawing a card every turn right yeah. it's like it's a like car, that, a card you've already used which means it had value like it was yeah. useful and it is good and the randomness doesn't even matter i mean sometimes yeah you'd prefer to get one of the other cards but but it's it's always something you're pretty happy to see happen and copying to charm bigger devils means you're getting multiple back it's just oh, yeah it's really great yeah really great yeah. stuff um next we have uh we have cavalier of flame two red 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 uh the elemental knight it's a six five 
Uh, you pay one in a red creatures you control get plus one plus zero and gain haste until end of turn. Um, and then when it enters the battlefield, you discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. Um, and then when it dies, it deals X damage to each opponent and each planeswalker they control, where X is the number of land cards in your graveyard. Um, so obviously just a great like kind of wheel effect here, being able to like pitch whatever it is that we don't need and then start to draw into better stuff. Um, the haste, that haste ability is really underrated, I think, on Cavalier Flame. I remember in the 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 the, fl- the fire breathing deck this was like an all-star not just because of the 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 fire the fire breathing effect it has but because of that that haste is it's just so 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 good right and just to illustrate how valuable this card is you're allowed to discard as many cards as you want and draw that many so i'm going to discard everything that isn't a one mana target one of my things and draw a new hand i'm going to cast those on cavaliers of flames and just keep cycling all my lands all my other stuff I don't need right now and get two or three more Cavaliers of Flames. And in the process of doing so, I've probably thrown four, five, or six lands into the graveyard. So now that I've got a few Cavaliers of Flame, if a Wrath shows up, all my opponents are taking like 24 damage. <laughs> like, so, like it's it's this does this is just a little a little bit of that red flavor. I love it so much. And so I'm gonna go back to a blue card just so people don't start thinking like I don't know. That seems like Red's giving it too much. May I remind you... Oops, did I forget one? Oh, yeah, right, right. Uh, I forgot also, Cavalier Flame gets is extra useful if we decide to copy Fanatic of Mogus, which is the three in the red, <laughs> yeah. four, two. When it enters, it deals damage to each opponent equal to your devotion to red. So the Cavalier adds three devotion, so like, uh, but I'm fine just keep copying I mean, Fanatic's over Fanatic, and over. <laughs> Fanatic also works quite well with Fire Emancipation. Sure. sure <laughs> I mean, sure. what That's doesn't truly, but like the three mana pips there also could do some nice work. Yes. Yes. And it'll be true. Yeah, exactly. So so before everyone gets too like, I don't know, seems broken. I don't think this is a good house rule. I want to bring us back to Peregrine Drake. Four and a blue, <laughs> yeah. two, three flying. Nothing wrong with when this card. Peregrine Drake enters the battlefield, untap up to five <laughs> lands. But we're spending one mana to copy it and we're untapping five lands. Even without Bergy. Like, this gets us way more mana than Bergy ever can. Yeah. So, like, this is not even an issue that, like, like Bergy, Bergy herself is not contributing something broken to the deck. Yeah. Like, you can have this effect in blue. Uh, you do have this effect in blue. Like, if this is the types of things you want to be doing consistently, like, you could just do it. Like, we're not, yeah. we're not, do, we're not adding red so that we can do the same type of stuff. Like, it's. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, profiting mana off of this is just, it's, it's, it's it, it can get out of control. Yeah. Um, we have another red creature, though. Um, Tuck Tuck Scrapper. This is a good one. I, lo- I love this card. Uh, it's an ally. It's three to red, goblin, artificer, ally. It's a two, two. Whenever it or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may destroy target artifact. If that artifact is put into a graveyard this way, uh, Tuck Tuck Scrapper deals damage to that artifact's control equal to the number of allies you control. Well, I mean, you know about allies. You know that the more we add, the like the greater they, 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 they become essentially, and you start hitting crazy artifacts and dealing more and more damage each time. Like you could do a whole ally deck with Orvar, right? Like yeah, copying you could. and 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 adding those broken ally effects all together. Like yeah, Tuck Tuck Scrapper is just the tip of the iceberg here. Well, and it, it take like like so the set like it took me a play test to really understand it. So I made one Tuck Tuck Scrapper and I destroyed a Mana Rock and I felt good about it. Yeah. Then later on I was like, oh, there was one more artifact. I was like, ooh, there's a sword. Someone's got a sword of body and shadow or whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna copy my Tuck Tuck Scrapper and it's like targeting your sword. It's like, and then where's the other target going? I'm like, oh yeah, I have two Tuck Tucks. So I get to destroy two artifacts right. this time. And the next copy, you destroy three artifacts. That's six total off of two copies. So this becomes Vandal Blast yeah. very quickly. <laughs> so, Vandal Blast plus, good. right? You're dealing damage too, which yes. is crazy. Yes, yes. Really good. Ooh, here, here's another fun red one that I, I cannot resist copying a bunch. This is great. Ember Wild Captain, three and a red, Gin Pirate, four, two. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Great. Whenever an opponent attacks you while you're the monarch, 
Ember Wild Captain deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in their hand. So, you know, if you put two or three Ember Wild Captains on the board, your opponents simply can't attack you because they would have to pay 16 life just to do so. Oh wow, yeah. I I this is a this is a favorite card from um from Commander Legends. That's where this is from, right? Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. And yeah, this is a cool one. I remember this one from the set review, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Just as a lot of work. I mean, in multiples, obviously. This is this is cool stuff. And then this one you you hinted at before, Precursor Golem. Yeah. Five mana for um, a 3-3 three, three artifact creature, Golem. When it enters the battlefield, you put two 3-3 three, three colorless Golem artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only a single Golem, that player copies that spell for each other golem that spell could target, and then each copy targets a different one of those golems. So, you know, high ceiling, <laughs> uh, low floor, uh, although, you know, not super low. But, like, uh, in that, obviously, we target this with one of our things. We target one of the golems, and then all of a sudden, all those golems are getting copied, and the original precursor golem is also getting copied, so... It's making three more on top of the other three that came out. And then, of course, that just keeps rolling the more you do it. Uh, yeah. You know, but there's also the uh, the possibility of getting targeted they get, with a kill true. spell. And I must remind you, Orvar is a shapeshifter, so also a golem. Ooh. So when we're, when we're doing it's dangerous. That's a dangerous game. But but like but like giving them all haste and drawing a card is just like oh, okay I'll, I'll expedite all of these that seems pretty good yeah i mean they gotta have it you know it's it's i like the the roll the dice you know yeah uh, uh attitude with this one it's a it's, it's a card that i've i've i had this in my like uh selesnia like populate deck at one point and it's it was really good in there and so i i'd imagine that you know more often than not it's just going to be pretty strong yeah especially if you can like do anything to you know counter that spell then it doesn't even it's actually countering doesn't do it does it no because no so you'll you'll still lose them all yeah i mean it's too fun it's too whatever like i mean cut it if you want uh i think it's i know i'm with you i'm with you i'm in on it like i think it's worth the like the steel the ceiling is too high on it to be like yeah right i think like and big deal whatever it's it's one card you know what i mean it's not like you're losing you 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 invested five mana and a card and then you copied it a couple times like uh i i say go for it i think i think it's good We're, we're near we're near the end of the neat moves not quite but as we're coming to a close, I want to just put it back in your brain. Remember Andy's deck last week, Vega's deck, right? This deck is essentially an Orvar deck with red. We could re-envision last week's deck as a Orvar deck with white. Um, and we've got new extra white creatures to bring with it. This uh, We've got a new suite of like instants to like copy things once Orvar is out. It, but it would be a totally different deck in the red part but like but most of it the core of it would be the same again i'm a broken record but i don't believe this is broken at all because orvar themselves is not broken so like this just makes it more of an improvement and to close us out i want to talk about some neat wins that this deck can do and this is exclusively blue right like this is just blue so this could be just orvar so i'm talking mirror mad phantasm three blue blue five one flying spirit and of course, we want to copy this at some point, and then we're going to use this ability on the token copy. One in a blue, Mirror Mad Phantasm's owner shuffles it into his or her library. It's a token. If that player does, they reveal cards from the top of the library until a card named Mirror Mad Phantasm is revealed. It will never will be because the token disappeared. That The player puts that card onto the battlefield. There is no card. And all other cards revealed into their graveyard. So now my library is empty. So all I have to do is cast a Thassa's Oracle with my empty library. Mm-hmm. And I've won the game. That's all blue. That's pure blue. Um, who cares that the red's in there? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Um, it's, red is not going to let red is not going to let you draw more cards to find this. <laughs> like, That's true. Like blue's drawn enough to do it anyway. If this is your aim, red is certainly not really helping. 
Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, and so, Andy, why don't you take this other blue kind of dirty line that the deck has? You use this card a lot. I love it. <laughs> Time Stream Navigator. Uh, one and a blue for the human pirate wizard. Uh, it's a 1-1 one, one with a send. Uh, that's, of course, the whole uh, city's blessing thing. And you'll see what that is in a second. It's two blue, blue, tap. Put Time Stream, Time Stream Navigator on the bottom of its owner's library. Take an extra turn after this one. And then you activate this ability only if you have the city's blessing. So, yeah, we need like 10 permanents out there. Obviously, in command, that's not a big deal. So this is just, you know, pay four, tap it. Bottom of its owner's library. Take an extra turn. Of course, make a couple copies of this. And all of a sudden, things look pretty good if you, like you don't you, you don't need to take infinite turns in a row like you really only need to take a couple right like with this card true well and then and then i got i found myself in a situation where i had ciphered uh hidden strings on a creature and someone was tapped out and that creature just a little one one was able to get in so that means i can take infinite turns because I will always hit that person for one. Mm -hmm. I will use that trigger to copy Timestream Navigator, and I will use the original Timestream Navigator's ability to put it on the bottom, so the copy will cease to have summoning sickness next turn when I make another Timestream Navigator. And because Hidden Strings is ciphered, unless someone destroys that creature in the meantime, I can do that until that creature can no longer get in and hopefully by then I've drawn enough cards to keep this combo going, right? Here's where Bergy does help, right? It helps me pitch cards to find it better. I suppose that's where red does help you dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, again, I mean, I you're in blue like, though. It's like, you know, yeah. the card draw yeah. thing is not reaching into red for card draws. Like you don't need to do that either. No. Um, someone, so, so, so that, that's going to close the deck and, and we got into some nice discussion in the discord while we were bringing about like, is this, is this too powerful in general of an idea? And I still say no, I say no. Um, there are plenty of two and three color commanders that are already as broken or more broken than this. Mm -hmm. Could we come up with a combo that is truly broken? Probably. We did. But when we uh, there, do, there were tons of it. Like, I tweeted this out on Twitter. I was like, "Hey, what are the most fun options for this, uh, this house rule thing?" And you know, lots of people. Most people came back with super fun ideas and like wacky combos. And then, of course, there were some people who were like, just wrote the just wrote the craziest broken combos as well. And there's quite a few of them. But I was I was surprised that there was only you know not that many people responded that way. I mean, maybe it was just the way I worded the question, but. Um, it seemed like people were just in, into this for, for the, for the, you know, just for this new thing we can do. Like, think about it. Like, we're so excited when we get new partner commanders. There's no difference. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So I'm going to thank some of the help, the discord helpers for some of these crazy ideas. Uh, I want to thank Chiefy, uh, Knackle, Knackle Booper, Papadio, Teacoats, Highbrow of, oh boy, Highbrow Lou Brew. Thank you. <laughs> Brave Sir Robin, the <coughs> Wizard Cops, Seth, Beppo, Demir, Buffalo, Pips Don't Lie, Nosrak 2. If I forgot you, I'm truly sorry. The, the the wall of helpers goes by so fast and furiously, but I'll get you next time. Uh, super fun. Super fun. I want to, I, I think, you know, this could be a fun exercise to do every set that comes out. Like take two monos that were made yeah. in that set and just see what happens. Um, if we restrict it to that, it's certainly only fair. Yeah, yeah. And I do th I do think that like this is probably something you at least want to start out doing with people you know. I mean, and that's tr true for any rule zero thing. Like um I, I would only really feel comfortable taking it to our home meta here or like any really good friends just just to be just because like they know me. They know what I'm doing. I don't need to like overly explain myself this way, right? And then, but then eventually branching out and just being like, oh, you know, I've, if you're playing on spell table with strangers, you know, you, they don't, they might not know you. So to be like, hey, is it cool if I play my like Bergy Orbar deck? Uh, you know, they might be like, um, yeah, I guess, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there might be a bit of that, that hesitation there. Um, uh, because, you know, some people are out to, out to just play super powerful stuff. I think I think if you start that way, 
it's it's you're, you're gonna find it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and then i think it's easier to branch out from there and then bring it to new people and tell them the stories that, that you had with the game you know and i truly believe that if you're taking this house rule to heart and doing it for creative new ways to show off commanders that have been a little bit restricted in one color and be like this commander can do so much cool fun stuff if we had a color if you bring that deck to people and show them they might be like oh i got a couple mono commanders i want to do this too yeah. okay i see i see i see what you're up to you, you you didn't do this to break it you did this to have more fun yes i'm on board with that that's the key 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 thing and i think that if you're listening to this or watching this right now and you want to do this and you do want to bring it to like you know you're in a discord whether it's like ours or commander brew maybe you're over in the cco discord any 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 of the any of the many different shows that are out there and you want to bring it to those players if you i i honestly think if you're like hey this is an idea that the commanders the commanders brew guys had i honestly think saying that will people will be like oh okay no problem because they, you know, <laughs> people know what we're about. We're about budget decks, we're about having fun, you know, brewing, you know, silly decks, stuff like that. I honestly think that that's kind of, uh, rather than going in depth and explaining that, you know, it's not about infinite combos, blah, 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 blah. Here's the aim of the deck. Well, instead of doing that, like, you can just kind of say that it's just like, it's super casual. It's Sean, it's a Sean and Andy idea. <laughs> they, <laughs> if, if they know us at all, they probably will be like, oh, okay, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. not even like to yeah. toot our own horn at all. That's just like, that's just, you know, uh, that's just, that's just what we're about. Our Harfnell horn of bounty. Yeah, don't we're not tooting our own Harfnell horn. We're you know it's just stating <laughs> facts. It's just definitive. You know. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh boy, uh, so fun. Shall we do the budget report? We shall. All right. What's what's this one looking like budget wise? Interesting. Always good price with these. Um, with these like you know when we do these like kind of technically not legal decks to see where they come in price-wise very reasonable the mid is 109 and the low is 65 and the top two cards we've already talked about time stream navigator is up to 10 bucks wow that's kind of a dirty line of play anyway so i'm <laughs> fine cutting that and fassa's oracle is also eight bucks yeah. 850 so you cut those two, you're easily under 50 bucks. Add a regular creature that has an ETB ability, um, you're golden. Yeah. Even to play like like Lab Maniac's got to be cheaper than this too, right? Like Probably. Obviously not as good, but like it's still a, it's still a real option. Yeah, there's if you're looking millions. To do that. Th there's millions of ads. Like I ended up cutting it, but like what's wrong with Crackling Drake? Right, the one that gets bigger for instance and sorceries in your graveyard, and it draws you a card as well. Like yep. um, that's that's fun. That's fun. Uh, ton tons of options. Speaking of tons of options, if we had unlimited uh, money as well as the unlimited mana, you might be able to make with this deck if you have six cards that go together. Um, I mean, do we even need to say Dockside Extortionist at this point? Like, this is just a wild card. Obviously, works incredibly well in this deck, and that is something that we're copying and making, you know, tons of versions of this little guy. Uh, just incredible amounts of mana being made here. 50 bucks. I yeah. saw this deck at Walmart um, on sale in Canada for $39.99. Whoa. So, but I Did was, no, it? I didn't buy it. Cause I was like, eh, do I want to spend $40 to get a dockside extortionist? No. And, or do I, or, or conversely, do I want to sell a dockside extortionist for probably something like, I don't know, Canadian is probably what, like 60 bucks or something like that. Do I want to like make $20? Do I have to go, but, and then have all the other cards in the set, keep all those. I was like, ah, this is a hassle to make 20 bucks. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, I'm not quite yeah. there yet. It's not like there was like a hundred of them there and I could have made a, a whole bunch of money. It's like, do I really want to go through this for 20 bucks? Like I can't even go into the store and do it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. the lockdowns on. It's like, mm, maybe if things were different anyways. Um, but check your, check those big box stores. Cause it's apparently there's these commander decks are kicking around and that should, that should help the price, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're looking yeah. for one of these. Anyways, what's the, there's another one, though, too, right? Oh, yeah, Mirror Gallery. Uh, this is the five-minute artifact that says the legend rule doesn't apply. 
Um, it would be great to copy Bergy a few times or to copy Orvar without Spark Double a bunch of times. I mean, Orvar won't copy himself with the ability. Uh, so you have to get the first copy of Orvar with like a quasi-duplicate, for example. Um, it does open up more options, but at 28 bucks, uh, we don't need it. Very expensive. I, I remember I, I was at a G, at a G, at GP Toronto. I, I managed to use some of like those points that you can get from like right. doing well in a draft, and I cashed it in to get a mirror gallery. And believe I I've think never it wasn't thirty bucks then. No, it wasn't. It was closer to like ten or twelve or something. Yeah. Still, I don't believe I've ever cast this card. Yeah. Oh well, it's in a deck. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Well, you know, this was a wonderful deck. Wonderful take on this. I think this house rule is a is a. I, I think it's great. I think it's got a lot of legs. I think so many legs. I don't know. I, I can't say any enough about it. I think it's a really neat thing. Um, and I, th- I don't think it takes away from partner at all, by the way. I just want to add that like the partner, the partner commanders that we have, I don't think they lose any specialness necessarily. I think there's a couple that I think already aren't that great. Like that we're not really using, um, so there, there's kind of that already, but um, but you're still going to look to use some of those commanders in these things too. Um, anyways, let's we we're running late. Uh, we got to get over to the award show. We got to get over to the Audric. So um, yeah, if if um, if you guys don't mind, we're just gonna uh, take off and uh, get over there uh, right away. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Look at everyone. Everyone's looking absolutely just fancy tonight here at the Audrey. It's so great to see you. There is Ral Zarek. How are you doing there, Ral? Good to see you. The the hair is high. It's a it's a quicksilver Wolverine combo. I love it. Looking great. And what a treat to see Linda Cardellini. Uh, welcome to the Audrix. Great to see you. Great to have you. Yeah, we got some real MCU crossover potential here <laughs> with Relzarek's hair and, of course, Hawkeye's wife from from the Avengers films. Great yes. stuff, Sean. What are we What are we here to the, to give away today? Every year we celebrate excellence in the field of magic cards, and this week is no different. And this award. For best performance as a street rogue goes to Julianne Moore as the Rishadan Cut Purse. Two and a blue, one one pirate. When Rishadan Cut Purse comes into play, each opponent sacrifices a permanent unless they pay one. Excellent if you copy this card a bunch of times, people be sacking things. But Julianne Moore as the Cut Purse, what an excellent performance! One of my all-time faves. <laughs> she was great in The Big Lebowski, uh, Boogie Nights, perhaps you've seen her in. Uh, but the role of her lifetime on this magic card as Rishadan Cut Purse. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. That'll do it for this episode of Commander's Brew and this installment of the Audric Awards. We will see you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for watching. If you love what we're doing, consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash commandersbrew. And if you want to get any of the cards from our deck list, go to our TCG Player affiliate link below. That helps us out too. And for a free way to help us out, consider sharing the show with some friends. Like and subscribe, add a comment or two. See you later. Bye.